So this morning, we are opening up the word. We've been looking at Kairos, uh, those God moments. And uh, today I thought, sorry, Kairos, we've been looking at those God moments. Today, we're going to look at Kronos, just to please those who live in time. Who lives in time? We all live in time. There is a time clock, as you will see. I have 44.39 seconds. About 44 minutes and 39 seconds and counting. So I've got to finish my message on time. There are some who knew I was going to do this and said there is no hope. There are others who think, think that I may just make it. Hands up if you think I'll finish in, in 44 minutes. <laughs> There's a few that do. There's a few hopefuls. <laughs> There's a few hopefuls in the room. There's a few people muttering under the breath. I wish you would. <laughs> okay, let me focus and I may finish on time. All right, Time is a funny thing. When you are young, time goes so fast. As you hit middle age, you're aware of how fast it gets. And you remember what your parents said or say that you won't believe it when you get to our age how fast it really goes. Is that true? Anyone that's... Everyone that's over... Oh, let's not go down that road. I, I saw a few faces look at me. <laughs> the older you get, the faster it goes. It's incredible. So you, if you're young right now, think about it. You think it goes fast now. You think six weeks so hard it goes fast you wait till you get older and you think, I need to grab hold of every moment in life. Uh, if you're bored, time goes slowly. That's why I try and make you laugh so that you feel engaged and connected and it goes a bit quicker. <laughs> Is that all right? So, hence the reason I have a little bit of humour. Kronos, as in time, the time frame is ticking by in all of our lives. Before Kronos began, what was there before? Eternity. Bef during Kronos, our time, eternity. When we're dead and gone, eternity. Eternity, past, present and future, eternity is always there. But we stepped into time, Kronos. When we die, we exist forever. Whether you know God or whether you don't, you exist forever. You are a spiritual person, a spiritual being. And because you're spiritual, you, as in a spirit, spirit, soul and body, not, not necessarily I'm a Christian or I'm a practicing whatever. You are a spirit and therefore you will live forever in eternity. And eternity came into being at this moment in Genesis chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, feel free to turn to it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5. We read these words. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So evening and the morning were the first day. Kronos started. The time began to tick. Time began to run out from BC 
And the time clock started running until Jesus came from B.C. to A.D. and then A.D. to when he returns again, whenever that will be. And then there's going to be the millennial reign, then there's going to be the new heavens and the earth, and then there's going to be eternity. How many of us are looking forward to eternity? Come on, let's see, let's see your hands. I, when you're young, you think, eternity, I want to enjoy life now. But I tell you what, it's not until you realize what life has to offer, you think, I can't wait for eternity. But we all have a call and a purpose whilst we're here. So let's not get there before our time. For everything, there is a time. And we're here for a time and a purpose such as this. Human lives are built around chronos moments, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds of life. And each one of those of, of values. You know, the value of an hour, the value of a minute, the value, I'm going to show you what that value is in a moment. Human beings live between two and three billion seconds. Think about that. We live between two and three billion seconds. Isn't that encouraging? Now look at me, I'm young. All right. I have lived one billion eight hundred and eight million and seventy-two thousand seconds. Now that doesn't look that doesn't look too favourable, does it? If I could, if I live between two and three billion, and I've already lived one point eight billion, Lord help me, give me a few more years. It's like shocking. Now you can go on Google and you can work out how old you are and how many millions or billions of seconds you've lived. Unless you don't want to shock. <laughs> don't go on there if you're thinking, oh, I've got, I've got years ahead of me. There's, there's one thing you can't buy more of. It's time. You can't. All the money in the world. Who should we pick on? Harlan. Harlan is football player. All right, sorry, I, I assumed everyone knew that. Um, Harlan is on a million a week. Pathetic. It's ridiculous. A million a week. But he can't buy any more time than you. And, and over these last five years of my life, and I've seen famous people, people who are world-known, die, die young in their early 60s or 70s and I think with all the money they had they couldn't buy more life that's why we need to value what we have because life is the most precious commodity that has ever been given to man it is the most precious gift that we've been given outside of Jesus Christ who gives us eternity listen to this if you want to know the value of one year Ask the student who failed a course. If you want to know the value of one month, ask the mother who gave birth to a premature baby. If you want to know the value of one hour, ask the lovers waiting to meet. If you want to know the value of one minute, ask the person who's just missed their bus. If you want to know the value of one second, ask the person who's just escaped death in a car accident. If you want to know the value of one hundredth of a second, ask the athlete who won silver 
in the Olympics. It just shows the value of life. The fact that you're here today, we need to be so blessed and so thankful. Because there are things that could take us out in our lives, but we have life. Theopharatus was a scientist and a philosopher who said, time is the most valuable thing a man can spend. Your time. How do you spend your time? You know, some people spend their time on their Xbox. They spend hours, they spend days, they spend weeks, they spend years of their life. For me, it was snooker. I spent years of my life playing snooker. Before that, I was playing in slot machines in, in um, fairground places and just spending money after money after hour after hour, just wasting my life on things that were pointless and worthless. But what do you spend your life? Because that's what we're doing. We're spending our life throughout our every day. What are you spending your time doing? For some, you spend time watching things that you should never watch. That is a waste of time and detrimental time to your soul. Do we spend time just aimlessly doing nothing? Wasted time. No focus time. Or do we invest our time? Invest in it in other people's lives, invest in it in learning a new skill, invest in it in something that will produce something worthwhile in the journey of our life. Because Psalm 139 says this, we have a set amount of time. We do. We, or it says this in Psalm 139, says, every day of our lives are recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knows you. He knows your life. He knows your journey. He knows those ups, downs, those difficult moments. He knows the, 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 the hair on your head that's no longer there. <laughs> it's funny, I looked at Stephen. I thought, no, I'm not looking at Stephen. Then, then I looked around the room and I thought, I'm not going to say anything because... I used to have such thick air, but yeah, it just, the sands of time just has this effect. Teach us to number our days. Honestly, when, when you're young, you think you've got all the time in the world. The sequence of life goes something like this. You get born into the world and you're helpless and you're reliant on parents to do everything. Feel free to move the... Um, just move them up a little bit. That'd be great. When you're born, you're helpless and time just goes by because you're being looked after. Then you get to a certain age, usually around 11 these days or maybe younger, and you think you know everything. You think you, think you, you have the answers to the world. But the problem is, we don't. 
Then what happens is you get to a stage of your early teens and you rule the world. Everything revolves around you. Everything is circling around your orbit because you're in charge of you. Then you get to your 20s and then you begin to consider what life really is all about and that you really didn't know much in your teens and that your learning curve is just developing. And it's interesting, each of our boys, they, 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 I guess, and, and Jenny went through that circle of life and they got to an age where they didn't necessarily want to hear what we had to say because they knew it. And then all of a sudden they get to an age and they say, Dad, how do you do this? And, and how can you do that? And would you mind helping me learn to drive? And it's like, I thought you knew it all. <laughs> and, and, and you go through that stage of life that all of a sudden you don't. Dad, you know, you, you bought a house before. What, what do you have to do to get a mortgage? I thought you knew it all. Um, no, of course I wasn't like that. It's called, yeah, I'll help you and I'll try and help you the best I can. But it's interesting. Then you get, you get to an age, I guess in your teens and your late tw- uh, mid-twenties, and you're thinking, or in your teens, you're always wanting to be older than what you are because you're not allowed to do certain things that usually you end up sinning. But there's a lot of things that you want to do that get you into trouble, but you can't do it because you're too young. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Um, and then you get to a certain age, usually around your 30, getting close to 30. I, I struggled turning 30. Because of all the fun and all the things that I enjoyed in my teens and 20s, and all of a sudden I felt like I got old. And the 30 was a turning point in my life. I thought, this is awful. Josh, you're nearly there, aren't you? You, you, you. (laughs) Josh Josh feels the same as what I did. We've had the... (laughs) Some some people, it's your 40s, and all of a sudden you have have this crisis moment in your life, and you think, I need to get a haircut that, that makes me look cool again if there's anything left or you get a motorbike but you've never had a motorbike in your life and all of a sudden you think you want to do something cool to try and feel younger than what you are then you get to the 50s and your 60s and you think goodness me I I wasted so much time I wish I'd invested more while I had greater strength. And then you get in your 70s and your 80s and your 90s and you, you think, I'm going to get involved in things again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've not got much time left. I'm going to be busy. You know, I, look at, I look at some of our, our older generation, those 60, 70 plus, and I think they are the hardest working individuals in the congregation. So what am I saying here? Don't wait until you get to 60, 70, 80 to get involved. Right? Because you only look back and say, I wish I'd done it when I was younger. Anyway, I didn't mean to say any of that. (laughs) The Bible is full of Kronos moments. Kairos moments, absolutely. Those God moments, God interventions. But the Bible identifies time in people's lives as well. And I just want to go through a few time moments in people's lives because I believe it is so important that we realize not just the Kairos God moments but we value the days the minutes and the hours that we have Noah spent 120 years of his life building a boat for him his family and a whole bunch of animals that they stayed on for 370 days plus but we know that there were 120 years invested 
in this moment. Oh yeah, there came a Kairos moment when the last nail was in and the last animal had entered. The Kairos moment happened and it began to rain. But Kronos moment carried for 120 years faithfully doing the will of God. Faithfully serving the purposes of God in his generation. Faithfully doing when everyone ridiculed him, when everyone belittled him, when everyone said, there come, here comes naughty Noah. He's building a boat and there's no rain. He's building a boat but there's no water. Naughty Noah's on the march. But there came a Kairos moment when it began to rain. And I tell you what Noah heard outside the boat. Thousands of people begging to be let in. But it was too late. There were thousands of people outside our doors. That if they knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow. Would be knocking at the door of our life. How can I be saved? Just imagine what Noah heard. And the impact that that had on his life. Of the noise and the sight. Come on church, we have a world outside our window. We have a world that we need to reach for him. We don't know how long we've got left, but how many are we bringing on the ark with us as we go to heaven? We're on a journey. Oh, I'm saved. I've got my ticket. I'm going. But who is following me because I'm following Christ? Just, just a thought. David. David had 15 years. 15 years waiting from the moment that Samuel anointed him as king before he became king of Judah. 15 years. 15 years waiting. I know I'm king. I know God's anointed me to be king. But there was a journey. I wonder how many of us in this room are on a journey. We've been waiting for the promise of God to come to pass. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. You and your whole household will be saved. I wonder if you're still waiting for your whole household. David waited 15 years. But he remained faithful to the promise. Can I just encourage you today? If you've been praying, if you've been believing, if you've been standing on the promises of God, it will come to pass. If you faint not. Ah, oh, sometimes we just want to push it all on God. It's going to happen. But the Bible says, if you faint not. Let's just keep pressing in and pushing through. And David and his mighty men around him keep pre kept pressing through. Moses, he had to wait 40 years to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Oh, he ran from the things of God. And I guess sometimes we in our lives, we can run from the things of God. We can, we can try and bring God's plan into being in our time, in our chronos, 
in our moments of life. We say, God, I, I, I'm just believing that this is going to happen. And then I guess like Moses, the promise was, with Abraham, the promise was you have a child. But he then went out and did his own thing and brought the child into being his own way. We then try and be God in our own life rather than letting God be God. God will bring to pass the promises that he's promised you in the right time. He and Moses was out in the backside of the desert. He was looking after the sheep. He was not, he was not the man of God in his own opinion at this moment. And then he had a Kairos moment. In, in, in the 40 years of Kairos time, no, Kronos time, he had a Kairos moment when the bush was burning. And God said, go, let my people, let my people go. That was his moment to go. Always live ready and prepared. Sarah, Sarah had to wait 25 years for her promised Isaac. Oh, and she was getting older and older and older. And she ended up being 90 years old. But the promise, when everything looks like it will not happen, there is nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing. What God cannot do? There we go. What God cannot do does not exist. It, it doesn't exist. What God cannot do does not exist. <laughs> I love it. So when we look at natural circumstances and we think, I'm nearly 90. This is what Sarah could have been thinking. I'm nearly 90 and the promise when God first said, you're going to have a baby, what did she do? She laughed. You're having a laugh. But God wasn't having a laugh. And the promises of God will prevail. The promises of God will prevail. They will always prevail. Rebecca, Rebecca had to wait 20 years to give birth to Jacob and Esau. Joseph from prison to power, 13 years. Did he, find, did he have an easy journey of it? Absolutely not. He knew from that moment from prison, you know, all the things that had gone before that, the, the throne, the, 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 the attack of his brothers, the thrown into the, the, the well, the fact that then they sold him into slavery, the fact that then he was in Potiphar's house and everything was great, and then he gets accused of a crime that he didn't do. Then he gets thrown into the prison. From prison... He's had a bad life. You'd think he's had a bad life now. But now he's in prison. He's in prison for 13 years. But from prison to power, second in command under Pharaoh only, 13 years later. And you think, what? He could have been bitter. He could have got frustrated. But you never see anything negative written about Joseph in the prison. You, know, you don't hear him say, well, well, when are you coming through for me, God? When is it going to change? He just remains faithful. Faithful, faithful to the promise that God will bring to pass. Caleb, he was in the wilderness for 40 years before he entered the promised land. But his confession was, I was young and now I'm old. But give me this mountain. I'm going to take this mountain. I tell you, I don't care whether you are young or whether you're old. 
with that kind of tenacity, that kind of I am not giving up, I'm not going to give in, I'm not going to bank back down, I'm just going to believe in the promises of God in my life. See, the promises of God are yes and amen. They are yes and so be it. They are yes and definite. They are done. It's a done deal. The promises of God are ours and Jesus was raised from the dead to, prom- to make sure those promises came to pass. There could be a journey. And it's in the journey that we remain faithful. It's in what we would call the corridor of faith. That there, there's an A to Z. And in the corridor of faith, there may be a B door and a C door and an E and an F and an H. And a, there are doors that we can exit out of the corridor because of temptation, because of uh, issues that may be in our heart, we may get downcast and downhearted. There are doorways that we can pass through, but if we remain on the corridor of faith without opening the doors, we walk with a blinkered view that nothing is going to take the promise of God from me. No matter how the chronos of time may be ticking away. Don't give up on the promises of God. The sands of time may be passing by, but the promises of God still stand. Every single one of them. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. We read these words, and it says, Many plans are in, the man, in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purposes for him that stand. We may have, in our plan, in our corridor of faith, we may start over here. We get to, we get to where are we in the alphabet? Let's think, G. We get to G. And we've got a door over here that says, get out now, it's too hard. And we choose that door. We've gone with our will, but God knows how to get us back onto his path. And then when we get back onto his path, he says, right, continue on that journey of faith. Do you know what? Sometimes, you know, Moses in the wilderness took a long time to get to the promised land. Moses didn't get there, but he saw the promised land. But it took them 40 years of wandering, but they did get there. It is so much better to stay on the corridor of faith, on the pathway that God, of God's intention for our life. Let's stay on the path of God's intention. You may have been struggling physically. Let's deal with this area of healing. What the doctor has said, and I'm not going against doctor's recommendations. All right? I want you to hear this first. If the doctor has said you need to be on this medication, stay on that medication until you feel unwell. And the doctor says, it's the medication. All right? I've said it. Did everyone hear it? Yes. yes. But Jesus is our healer. All right? Jesus is our healer. 3 John 2 says, I wish above all things. That's pretty high estimation, isn't it? I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health. In other words, that you're not sick and then get well, and that you're not sick and then you get well, that you've not got that disease and then you get well. I wish above all things that you prosper and that you are in health. That's God's intention 
for yours and my life? Do we live in a disease-ridden world? Yes, we do. Do we eat foods and drink water and breathe air that causes people to become sick? Yes, we do. If you don't pray over your food, <laughs> I feel like I'm telling a bunch of... If you don't pray over your food, please start doing so. Because the Bible is very clear that in the last days, there will be, we need to be praying over the food. Let me see if I can find it quick. Uh, Timothy, I think it is. Uh, There we go. I think this is it. Okay, it's talking about the last days. I expressly say in the latter times, some will be dark, but depart from the faith. Given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons, some uh, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared from a, uh, with a hot iron, forbidden to marry and commanding to, um, to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. That's you giving thanks for your food. Not, not just, Lord, I thank you that you provided it, but Lord, I thank you that you sanctify this food that I'm eating that's in plastic packaging that's been on the shelves for months and months and months that's got all these E's and different things in it that we don't really know what they are <coughs> he says for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer <laughs> if you don't give thanks for your food let's start if you want to be healthy let's do it alright just throw that in for free. Now, now I am struggling to finish on time, all right? So, if you're struggling physically, ah, oh, there's so many avenues. There's so many avenues, all right? If you're walking with unforgiveness in your life, it will cause sickness in your body. If you're walking with bitterness, there's the drying of the bones, which could be down to arthritis. Not always, but it could be, right? There are things that our physical body, if you're walking with stress, it will come out in some form, whether it's with, with boils or whether it's with nerves or whether it's with sleepless night. Our bodies are so conditioned. If you're walking with unforgiveness, the Bible is very clear. If you go to the communion table and you've got unforgiveness in your heart, go and get that right. Why? Because there are many who are sick amongst you and even die. I've got to say it how it is, all right? Because I'm running out of time. So let's go to this one because Jesus is our healer. And if you've been struggling with a sickness for years, if you've been struggling with uh, a health issue and the doctor has said you will be on this for the rest of your life, you can believe the doctor or you can believe God. But like I say, wait until the medication has made you ill. (laughs) That won't happen, sorry. Wait until the medication is, is becoming the issue and the doctor says, stop taking it. That does happen, and I've seen it happen. That The doctor has said, this medication that you were taking is now the thing that's making you well, unwell. So stop taking it. I'm saying all this because we need, we need to have a bottom line. We need to have a foundation upon which we stand. As our days become sicker in our world, there are, there are more people that are saying, why do you think the NHS is so busy? Why do you think your GP, you can never get an appointment? Why is it you can't have a face-to-face with them? Because they are so busy. Why? Because the world is becoming sicker. It is a sick place to live. But the church should be a healthier place. Okay? I'll go back to my message. Time can become an issue. I've been on this medication for so long, I don't think I will ever get out off of it. 
And then there becomes a problem in your thinking and in your believing because you've been conditioned to expect to stay on that medication. All right? Let me say how it is. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. How many? 12. Who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Came from behind and touched the border of his garment, Jesus' garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? And all denied it. Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng you and press you. Um, and you say, who touched me? Uh, but Jesus said, somebody touch me. For I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I tell you what, we need to be touching the hem of his garment. As I was in worship this morning, I didn't know who was behind me. I didn't know how many people were behind me. And the Lord, I just felt it drop in my heart. Why? And, and, and this is not a criticism of anybody sitting on the back rows. Why is it that people sit on the back rows when you could be at the front touching the hem of his garment? And then the second thought came, but you could touch the hem of his garment wherever you sit. All right, I, I absolutely agree. But I tell you what, in, in the spiritual, I want to be first. If you play table tennis with me, you play snooker with me, I am going to be first if I can. <laughs> if I can't, I will shout and I will moan and I will groan because I want to be first. I want to win. Now, if that means I want to touch the hem of his garment and he's passing through the front first, I want to touch his hem of his garment first. So let's have that mind in us that we touch the hem of the garment. You can still touch the hem of the garment at the back. It doesn't sort of start here really powerful and then gradually become less powerful as he gets to the back. He's omnipresent. I get that. But the mentality of I want to be there first. I want to be the one where, where the, the praise, the anointing is hitting first. You know, I, I want to feel the breath of the worship team as they're proclaiming and declaring the things of God. I want to, you know, make sure you do your teeth before you come to church. But, you know, I, I want to feel the breath of God coming from you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for his presence. I'm hungry for more. And, and I, want to be, I want to be the one that's touching his garment. That's 12 years, this woman. 12 years, you may be saying, I've been like this for 12 years. That's exactly how I feel. I want to be touching the hem of his garment. In Luke 13, verse 11, it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could by no way raise herself up. But when, she saw, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Do you know what? You can speak the words of Jesus. When you speak the words of Jesus over your life, when you speak the word of Jesus over your life, the Bible in Revelation says it's like using the whole of his word. When you speak, Jesus, heal me. The word of God is released into your life. That's incredible. Jesus. The power of 
in that name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every sickness, every disease, every infirmity. That at the name of Jesus. It's just, this woman, 12 years. This woman, 18 years. In John 5, verse 5, it says this. Now a certain man was there, laid at the gate, who had an infirmity for 38 years, Kronos. Time was ticking. He'd been outside that gate for 38 years. He'd been begging to be healed or begging to be provided for by those who passed by. Kronos time, 38 years. When Jesus saw him, sorry, this isn't, this isn't gay beautiful. This is, this is the pool of Beth- Bethesda. Jesus went down to the pool of Bethesda and if the waters, if the waters began to ripple, it was great. The first one in got healed. But what happened if you couldn't walk? What happened if you couldn't get up from the bed? What happened if there was no one there to help you? And this man had been there for 38 years. And no one, he, he, he would turn around and say, but, but when the water is troubled, I have no one to lift me in. There is nothing that is impossible to Jesus. Nothing. Come on, we need to get that deep down in our heart. Nothing is impossible. And here it says, um, um, and, uh, and now a certain man was there, had infirmity 38 years, Kronos time. And when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps in before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. In the middle of his Kronos time, there was a Kairos moment. Am I time up? No, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. I'll pay you later. I thought I'd lost, my, I'd lost my timer. So here was a Kronos and a Kairos collision. There can be a Kairos and a Kronos collision in your life. And the last one I want to share on this morning is this, Acts 4, verse 22. For the man was over 40 years at Gate Beautiful, on which a miracle of healing had been before, performed. <laughs> No way. No way. I believe in redeeming the time. Oh, there we go. Redeeming the time. For the time is at hand. It's never too late with God. Did you hear that? It's never too late with God. He can redeem time. He can redeem opportunities. He can redeem dreams. Nothing is impossible to him. Next week, we're going to completely wrap up this series of thought, but I wanted to share this passage with you today. And it's this, because there could be a moment in your life right here, right now, right today, that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you need things to change for you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For God says... Just think about that. God is saying this to you right now. For God says, at just 
the right time. In the middle of your chronos, your hours, minutes and seconds, in the middle of your chronos, God says, this is your time. He knows that moment. He said, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Now is the time for salvation. I just love this. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the right time. Today, in this place, is the right moment for you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Because at this moment, I want you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, to examine your heart and then to respond to him. We're going to pray nice and loud together. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I thank you. You died on a cross for me. You took my sin. You took my failings. That I may receive you. As my Lord. As my Savior. Jesus today come into my heart. I receive you. And I thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Well every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today, genuinely, sincerely, and you want Jesus to become the Lord of your life, we've got some information we'd like to pass to you, some, some, some things we'd like to pray with you. But I don't, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm just going to ask you at this moment, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I'm going to count to three, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just pop up your hand. And acknowledge that you want Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else in the room? You say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, I see that hand. In this place, lives given themselves to God. Because God first gave his life to them. Lord, I thank you, we rejoice and we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.